0: Get to your seat. That's enough fellowship. <laughs> All right. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Everybody grab your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter number 11. Uh, this is going to be kind of a, a, a two-part lesson tonight. You'll have your outline that you have, and then at the end of that uh, set of verses, I'm going to do a running commentary after that, uh, because the outline pretty much is preparation for the rest of the chapter. And uh, I didn't have any more pages to give you, uh, uh, so so I'm just going to give you a running commentary, and you can take notes if you want to. Uh, but we 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 have seen preparation in the last couple of lessons that we have covered. Uh, how many of y'all remember that God prepared uh, Peter to reach Cornelius by the vision, the dream he had? How many of y'all remember that? So he had to prepare Peter for his ministry of bringing salvation to the Gentiles. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And then we're going to see now that God is going to prepare the church, the church that's already established there in Jerusalem, which is primarily what? What nationality? Primarily Jewish. Jewish, Hebrew, right? And so they have to be prepared for what God is doing in this, okay? So let's look in he, uh, Acts chapter number 11 and verse number 1. When you get there, say amen. Amen. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now, now, anyway, let me. I, I, I want to say something there, but we'll, we'll wait. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him; they argued with him. Those who were the Jewish believers, saying, "Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them." But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning. And expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, and a certain vessel descended, as it had been a great sheet let down from the heaven by the four corners, and it came even to me, upon which when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, say it again. So 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 what's he saying? Nah. This is going to be different than what I was raised. This is different than what I was taught. We haven't never done it like this. Are y'all with me? Now it says, For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. And the voice answered uh, me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done, how many times did he have to get Peter's attention? Three Three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was sent, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren, so so now we know how many was with him in in chapter number 10. Uh, These six brethren came, accompanied him and entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, here's a key, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, and this is in Acts chapter number one, by the way, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the uh, for as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now let's all read verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your, your blessing, your mercy, your kindness, and Lord, I thank you for the, the privilege to be in your house and study your word. Lord, bless us now. Lord, I pray that you'll use these words to encourage us, to uh, trust you, even when things and times change, even when uh, you do things different. Lord, help us to trust you and your word. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. How's, how's Molly's chin? Does she have to get stitches? Four stitches, Lord Jesus. And basketball was a non-contact sport. (laughs) Lord help us. Now listen, if you ever want to see, women's basketball is kind of like hockey. (laughs) It is. You go to to a fight and a hockey game breaks out. Amen? Uh, uh, They're more aggressive than the boys, I'm telling you. Uh, Anyway, anyway, here's here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. Uh, last week, last week we discussed and we talked about, uh, Peter, he had to be prepared for what was ahead. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, if you hadn't been here in a while, this is, this is, this is, I, I got to review this. I know some of y'all get tired of me going back and going back all the time, but this is really important that you get this. The book of Acts is a book of transition. Say that with me. It's a book of Transition. transition. Uh, you're going from one thing to the next. You're shifting gears, if you will, right? It, 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 you, we're going from God dealing with the world one way that he had for thousands of years, and now he's changing things and he's operating in a different way. Now, what was that old way? He primarily worked through the Jewish nation. He, he prim, primarily worked through uh, the, the religion called Judaism in the Jewish law, in the Jewish ceremonies, and all of those things. But when Jesus came, everything yeah. changed, right? And now, now God has to get his people, he's got to get his people prepared for the change that's coming. Are y'all with me? And son, that is an anointed shirt you're wearing right there with a the Florida Gators. Yes, sir, amen. I just happened to see that in case I forgot after church, amen. Now, <clears throat> And all the rest of you jealous people, just get over it. Amen. Uh, And as, as we are changing, he's going from, there's three different groups of people in this world, right? We said there's Jews, Samaritans, which are half Jew and half Gentile, right? And then Gentiles. Three different groups here. Jew, Samaritan, Gentile. Acts chapter number two, on the day of Pentecost, the Jews came into the church. They were born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they had the the, the miracle of being able to speak languages they had never previously learned. Are y'all with me? It was an outward sign of an inward touch. So then we move on to Acts chapter number eight. Then we have the Samaritans, which were half and half Gentile. They get saved. And Peter comes and lays hands on them so that they are connected to the apostles back in Jerusalem. All right? That's the headquarters. That was the epicenter, if you will. That's where Christianity sprung from. And now they are in the church. They are in the body of Christ. Amen? But we're missing a group, right? So we go on to Acts chapter number 10, and in Acts chapter number 10, we find that Peter goes to Cornelius' house, not before he's prepared for it. God had to prep him and get him ready because change is difficult. Change is difficult, and that's what we're going to talk about, but he prepared him. He prepped him and gave him the vision to show him, look, I am for all men. I'm the God of the world. Not necessarily just the God of the Jews. Are y'all with me? And we see he comes to Cornelius. He preaches the gospel unto them. And they receive Christ. Now we have the Jews in the church. The the Samaritans in the church. And the the Gentiles in the church. The church is complete now. The Bible says we are no longer Jew nor Gentile. Listen, we're no longer male nor female. We're all one in the church. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now... Now, Peter has it, and Peter gets it, and that's very important. There's a lot of people back in Jerusalem that heard about it. Y'all with me? You see, Peter hung out with them for for a little while there in Caesarea and spent time with them and teaching them and helping them. But how many of of y'all know that news travels fast? And they didn't even have Facebook. Well, word word quickly got back to Jerusalem that Peter is spending time and hanging out with Gentiles. Gentiles. And that is a massive no-no. Huge, huge problem. Because their tradition, their tradition, you hear me say that? So how do you know it's their tradition? Because guess who else hung out with them? Jesus. Jesus hung out with the worst of the worst. But now he's saying, now that, now does everybody understand where we're at here? Peter has gone to Cornelius. He's gone to a Gentile. He's brought the gospel. Now, word gets back. So that's where we're at here in this chapter. So we all together say amen. Okay, now, now. Look in verse number one. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now, let's stop right there. The moment that happened, there should have been, woo! Wonderful! Hallelujah! This is great. Why, why y'all so quiet? Doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to celebrate when someone gets saved? That right there should have been enough. Guess what? Things haven't really changed. Things haven't really changed. How do you know that? Do something just a little different and let God touch it and see people saved and blessed and see if the brethren appreciate it. What happened? What happened? Let's keep reading. We'll come back to that. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. That word contended doesn't mean they just had an issue. It was a major problem. A major problem. They rebuked him. All right, look in your first point, put the rebuke he encountered and then flip back. <clears throat> Flip back, just put the rebuke counter so you can have that, and then flip back to the front page. I want to show you how difficult change is. <clears throat> how many of y'all know that everything new, or excuse me, everything old was once new? Everything that you think is a classic, there was a day when it was brand new, including us. Y'all with me? Now watch, now watch. Songs, now, now how many of y'all, so we, we're all on the same page, you know I'm kind of being a little facetious here, but how many of y'all know that in the American church, there's fighting and squabbling and wars over worship? Whether contemporary, whether traditional, or this style of worship, or that style of worship, whether you have live groups or Sunday school, whether you have hymnals in the pews or screens on the wall. Right, we all we all come on now. Don't now now. There, there's even in this group right here. Even in this group right here, there's going to be disagreement and people that prefer or like one thing over the other. And and uh, and, and I, I was talking with a gentleman yesterday, and, and uh, uh, we we were talking about ended up being the the uh, primitives. He said they came Saturday to the singing, but not Friday because he didn't like the primitives. And uh, and and he said, "I don't like that bluegrass music." I said, "I do." <laughs> and and here we go. And, and there's a total difference in preference. And I guarantee you, you get if you get more than two people together, you're going to find some differences. Are y'all with me? And what happens is is we make things sacred that's not sacred. We end up making preferences or opinions to be holy and sacred that are not. And and so let's let's look at this, how this has happened. Songs that we now consider sacred classics were once as criticized as today's contemporary Christian music. When Silent Night was first published, George Weber, the music director of the Mintz Cathedral, called it vulgar mischief and void of all religious and Christian feeling. And Charles Spurgeon, the great English pastor, despised the contemporary worship songs of his day, the same songs that we now revere. Perhaps most impossible to believe is Handel's Messiah was widely condemned as vulgar theater by the churchmen of his day. Like the criticism of today's contemporary courses, the Messiah was paying for having too much repetition and not enough messages or not enough message. It contains nearly a hundred repetitions of hallelujah. Even the hallowed tradition of saying, and by the way, if you've got issues with repetition, you better stay out of the book of Psalms. Because there's a lot lot of the Psalms that's very repetitious, amen? And his mercy endureth forever. I dare you to look that up in your concordance. Anyway, even the hallowed tradition of singing hymns was once considered worldly in Baptist churches. Benjamin Keach, a Baptist pastor of the 17th century, is credited with introducing hymn singing to the English Baptist churches. He began first by teaching the children to sing because they loved it. The parents, however, did not enjoy singing hymns. They were convinced the singing was foreign to evan- evangelical worship. A major controversy occurred when Pastor Keats tried to introduce hymn singing to the whole congregation in his church at Horsley Down. Find- Doesn't this sound crazy? That's what's, that's what's classic now. That's what we're fighting over now. Before, in other words, what you think is classic and holy was once thought as vulgar. Are y'all with me? Man, y'all quiet. Y'all must, anyway. He got them finally in 1673, he got them to agree to at least sing a hymn after the Lord's Supper by using the biblical precedent of Mark 14, 26. However, Keach allowed those who objected to do this to leave before the hymn. He better me. Amen i make you suffer through it. <clears throat> Six years later, in 1679, the church agreed to sing a hymn on the days of public thanksgiving. Another 14 years passed before the church could agree that hymn singing was appropriate in worship. The controversy was costly, causing 22 of Benjamin Keech's members to leave and join a non-singing church. However, the fad of hymn singing caught on with other churches, and the non-singing church soon called a pastor who made hymn singing a condition of his coming. How things change. Peter faced the same problem. He's coming back from a great move of God in Caesarea. And there's, you know, several things I want to look at here in this story to help us with this. Ira Sankey. He's the great songwriter and music director who assisted D.L. Moody in his crusades, was instrumental in the fight to, just to use instruments in the worship service. When the idea of Sunday school was first introduced, it was rejected simply because it was different. There was a day that, that Sunday school was new. Now today, if you have life groups or not even Sunday school, then, then you're antichrist. Listen, we've got to learn to be able to establish and determine what is the truth and what are tools. Right. Sunday school is a tool of ministry. Sunday school is a is a tool to deliver the truth. Are y'all with me? And there's there's several different ways to deliver the truth. And we got to quit making sacred what is not sacred. All right? But this is what this is what we want to primarily cover tonight. Change is difficult. Say that with me. Change is difficult. But, sometimes but sometimes necessary. Change is difficult. Change is difficult. But sometimes necessary. Sometimes now, let's see what, what, now, now remember, now remember, let's keep this, let's keep, let's put these two chapters together. First Peter had a certain mindset. First Peter had a certain mindset. God had to get his attention how many times? Three times. He finally understood what God was doing, and he saw Cornelius get saved. He saw his household get saved. They followed the Lord in believers' baptism. How many of y'all would agree that's a great thing? That's a great thing. All right? God had to get his attention and prepare him. He saw a great thing because he was willing to follow the leadership of the Lord in this change. Now, he goes on about his business and thinking this is going to be great. Wait till they hear back in Jerusalem. Uh Uh-oh, they already have. And now they have a problem. They rebuke him. Now what can we learn from that? What can we learn from that? Uh, If God said it, just roll with it. Most of the time, most of the time, I'm not going to say all the time, but most of the time, if you do something different that God has led you to do, you're going to find friction. Friction. And friction, friction is not always, friction is not always about bad. Sometimes friction just means you got some traction. Are y'all with me? Do you realize, I I, I was looking back in my mind just thinking about this and thinking about this lesson and and, and just thinking about the life of, of temple and the history of temple. Do you realize that every single great move of God in temple, every time we had a growth spurt, every time there was a, a and some of y'all have, you have been part of that as you've been here. You've been at different, at, at different uh, levels in this church from one size to the next. Do you realize that before every great move of God, before we had a great increase in attendance and that type of thing, every, every single time we had people get mad and leave? Every single time, I can, I, can, I can go back and every single time we had a really good move of God right before it, somebody didn't like something, somebody didn't like a change, somebody didn't like a new program, somebody didn't like a new idea and they got mad and left, usually disgruntled, run their mouth all over town and, and most of them are either not even in church or dead. And every single time, every single time, I see God move in a great way, but there was always some kind of friction. And I'm, I'm saying this, I'm saying this. I'm not saying to scare anybody or say, well, I'm never going to talk about that preacher. That's not what, I, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this when God calls you And God wants you to step out and do something different. Maybe step out and do something that's against the grain. Step out and do something that's against the norm. Don't be afraid just because somebody says they don't like it. Never determine the will of God for your life by whiners. I remember, I remember, and we probably never gonna get to the second phase, but let's just go with this. I remember the first time I remember the first time that, that God was leading me to, to institute life groups here. We were still in the little building. I had, I had been studying and reading about life groups even when I was still in Barnwell, South Carolina, before I ever came here. And, and, and there were several things I did wrong. I didn't train the people right. And, and, and uh, th- there were several things. But one, one big mistake I made is I listened to complainers. And when we first we first started out, just just was very new into it, I hadn't been in it very long, and I and I and I heard chirping and chirping and chirping, and so so I said, well, we we'll just we we'll just we'll, we'll just quit it. And then then later on later on, uh, say a year down the road, two years down the road, uh, I think it was actually three years, the, the, the exact number, three years down the road, it was time we had to do it because we'd run out of space. We'd run out of space. We, we didn't have no more space for Sunday school. If you don't, you don't know this, you can't put 12 ounces in an eight ounce glass. You got to have room to grow. And, and so we had done built and built and built and, and, borrowed and borrowed and borrowed and borrowed to build and build and build. And now we're out of building. We had more people and we couldn't borrow none. We done borrowed all we could borrow. Are y'all with me? And so we had to do something different. So we started life groups and, and, and got that going. And that's a, that's a whole other story. God touched it and blessed it. And I was sitting in my office one day And I started thinking about this. Do you realize that the people that was whining about life groups back then, they left because of something else too? In other words, I'm three years behind schedule. Because I listened to somebody that was just going to leave anyway. That's he did. Do you get the point? You get the point? If God's leading you to do something, do what God's leading you to do. Everybody's not going to jump on board. Everybody's not going to like it. But move with the movers. Don't listen to whiners. And all God's people say it. Peter, he didn't say, oh, my bad, my bad. He said, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. So that brings us to point number two. And by the way, by the way, look. The devil will do everything he can to discourage every Christian from ministry. Listen, ministry that God's called them to. Many times he uses the brethren to accomplish this, sadly. Sometimes the most discouraging people in the ministry are not the people in the world. It's the brethren. There are times when God will call one of his saints to do something different or be something uh, than what has been done to accomplish something great. In other words, they're doing something different than what's done in the past. Now, we got to be faithful to him that called us and not let the opinion of the brethren decide our ministry for us. For example, God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. I wonder what they'd have thought of that. That's probably why he kept it to himself. God told Joshua to march around Jericho seven times. God told Naaman to dip seven times into Jordan. God told Isaiah to walk around naked. It's in Isaiah 2, by the way. Isaiah 20, I think, verse 2. I looked it up just to be sure. I remembered it. God told Hosea to marry a harlot. By the way, to marry a harlot, he knew would cheat on him. What what are you saying? All of God's commands, or let me say this. Rarely does God's commands make sense. It didn't make sense to send a lad out to fight a giant. Y'all with me? So, so when somebody comes to you with a crazy idea, and as long as it's not, not, it's not unbiblical, but if they got a crazy idea, you better just say, well, I'm praying for you with that. Be careful with your negativity because that crazy idea, it may be the plan of God. All right. All right. The rebuke he encountered, number two, write this down. The rehearsal he enlightened. Two things he rehearsed over with them. Two things, write them down, we'll talk about them. First, he reviewed and rehearsed the vision he received. He said, let me tell you what what happened to me. And he begins to share this vision. He begins to share what God did to him. Basically, how God prepared him to be able to spend time with Cornelius. Then, then... Not only the vision, but then the visitation. He recorded. He said, now, let me tell you, let me tell you what happened when I got there. And he goes over all of it. He goes over the dream he has. He goes over how God showed him that that God is accepting everybody now. Nothing is common or unclean. God is receiving them. If they'll do right and follow him and and do what they're supposed to do, God will accept them. Somebody say amen. Amen. So he goes over this, over this with him. And this is, this would be, this would be my, my advice to you or encouragement to you. Uh, listen, when, when somebody criticizes what you're doing, just rehearse what God told you, just rehearse what God told you and roll with it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Well, how do I know if God told me back it up with scripture? If you can't back it up with scripture, God didn't tell you. Are y'all with me now? Now watch this. Watch this. Joseph received a vision, Nehemiah received a vision, Peter received a vision, and all three were, you know what, if I stopped when people didn't like the vision that God had given me, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. And that's a fact. And let me say this. Let me say this. That was from the very beginning. Somebody told me before I left Augusta, Georgia, that this was not a real good opportunity and I probably needed to not even think about it. But he did say this. He said, I-20 runs both ways. When it don't work, it'll bring you right back. I'm glad it was a one-way trip. Amen? What's the point? Don't listen to people. Hey, and let me tell you this. The person that told me that loved me to death and meant well and thought they were telling me what I needed to hear. But somewhere along the line, you got to know, you got to know when God's telling you something. Because, listen, if I didn't know that it was God that led me here, I probably wouldn't still be here. Are y'all with me? Don't listen to critics. Just rehearse what God showed you. Then number three, the rebuttal he engaged. There's two things I want you to write down and let's talk about it. <clears throat> we see the honest recognition. He said, he said, God gave them, God gave them exactly what he gave us on the day of Pentecost. Look what it says. <clears throat> Verse number 17. When you get there, say amen. Amen. For as much then as God gave them the like gift. Now, 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 remember, do y'all remember what we said about uh, the gift of tongues? Speaking in language you have not previously learned. In Acts chapter number two, there was a reason for it, right? Right? We said there was a purpose for it. Tongues are for a sign. And, and the Bible says not only is it for a sign, it's for a sign to the Jews. Okay? Now watch. Now watch. Look what this sign did. Look what this sign did. Verse 17. What, did, what argument what argument, or what evidence, if you want to use that word, what evidence or what proof did Peter use to, uh, to validate what he did with the Gentiles? Look what he says. For as much then as God gave them the like, watch this, as he did unto us. In other words, Peter says, I know that God has received them and accepted them. I know this was right because what God did with us in Acts chapter 2, He did with them in Acts chapter 10. Now, do you understand why God allowed an outward manifestation of what was on the inside to give the Jews a sign, to give them proof, to let them see that He had truly? You got to, I, I was listening to a Bible teacher today. I was listening to a Bible teacher today and he said there were some Jewish rabbis that taught that the reason God created Gentiles was to keep the the fires in hell hot. In other words, that God's people were there but the purpose of the Gentiles was just to fill hell. That was their place. That hell was not created. That's the kind of deal that the, the early church had to deal with. That's the kind of bigotry. That's the kind of prejudice that the early church had to deal with to make... Y'all with me? So this sign had to be significant and without a doubt. And guess what? Peter said, hey, the same thing that happened to us in Acts chapter number 2 is the same thing that happened to them. Church, say amen. So we see an honest recognition. He says, "This God did this. Same thing. Verse B. We see his humble realization. I love this part. For as much then as God gave unto them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the next three words? Say it again. Say it again. Before you go to criticize somebody else's ministry, you need to say, who am I? Who nominated you? People said, What was I gonna do? Man, I'm just I'm just preaching the gospel. I'm just telling them what happened with Jesus. Bow, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they had the gift that we had. And what am I supposed to do? Right? It, here, here's one thing that that I learned, I learned from the the, 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 the talking jackass episode in the Bible. God doesn't need my help to correct his men. Now, if some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, look up Balaam. Balaam is on, on, on his ride and, 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 and y'all know the story. An angel's in the way preventing him and, and Balaam begins to whip him. Y'all with me? And he begins to speak. Now, if God can do that, he don't need me. And I, I found this out. It's a whole lot easier just to mow my grass and worry about yours. I got enough problems. And I got enough, I got enough things I need to do. Are y'all with me? Let's 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 focus on our own ministries. Let me say this. There's a lot of people that creep. Now, all you guys, I know you're watching. I know you're watching. If you would quit spending so much time trying to fix every other preacher on Facebook and tell what all these other preachers doing wrong and just focus on what you need to be doing in your area it would cause a whole lot less drama in your church, in your ministry, in what you're doing. Amen. 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 I don't have time to straighten straighten up and straighten out everybody else. Are y'all with me? Who am I? Peter's saying, what what was I? I'm going to withstand God. I'm not going to get in God's way. And I, I would encourage you too. You better not get in God's way neither. Are y'all with me? Now, watch this. Watch this. The response he enjoyed. Oh, yeah, we're doing good with time. The response he enjoyed. Look at the next verse. Verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace. I wish all Baptists was like that. What does it mean to hold your peace? Okay, all right. Just making sure we're on the same page. They held their peace and glorified God, saying, "Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life." Two things that happened, write it down. The sovereign was glorified and the saints were gratified. I so wish that modern day Christians could ap- appreciate that verse. I want you to look at me a minute there was a, there was a family there was a family that that traveled and sang and preached and all that kind of thing and uh they would come by our church sometimes and not not booked or anything. they'd just stop by and and, and, and we 'd let them sing and and uh uh you know give them a love offering really help them you know and and not even not even obligated to it just just to be a blessing to them and uh many other things that that to keep from sounding like I'm bragging that that I was able to help them in different ways and and this was back this was uh back traditional temple okay how many of y'all know what I mean by traditional temple? When we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, uh, all the traditional ways, right? And, uh, and, and I remember, I remember, and, and, and they loved temple. It was the greatest thing in the world. <clears throat> and I remember when we started making some adjustments and changes. And uh, things were different. We were, at that particular time, we were doing all the kids' programs on Sunday night, doing the Awanas and all of that on Sunday night. Instead of a regular Sunday night services, all the kids' programs were on Sunday night. And I remember they showed up for church, and they didn't know that things were different. And they said, what's going on? What's going on? So I said, hey, come here. Let me tell you what we're doing. And so we went to my office. And I began to share everything that we were doing, and and how God was blessing it, and 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 how we was doing life groups now, and and we already had more in life groups than we could fit back in the building, and 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 just tell them how we were growing and the numbers, and and, and it was just I, I was so proud and so excited, and uh, it, because God was just moving like crazy, and uh, seeing people saved and. And uh, and and they just sat there and smiled and oh, okay 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 and, and I'm thinking man this, this this they're they're getting it they're happy for us and and leave months down the road months down the road man I found out that yeah we were liberal and we were not right with God and we you know and I'm like oh. and 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 this is. Sh- Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If God's in something and you're seeing evidence of the touch of God, even if it's something that you don't prefer, the best thing to do is just say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, there was, there was a group in the New Testament that was doing things and, and they wasn't exactly with Paul, and he said, you know what? If Christ is being preached, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know what happened here? They heard the evidence of what God was doing, that God was for it. And they said, hey, that's good enough for us. That's good enough for us. Listen, in the main thing, this is the main thing. I almost missed this. And we're fixing to get to the running commentary. So just just hang on. Look at this. In verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace. And what's the next three words? Lord, Say it again. Lord, Say it again. Lord, if that is what you care about, then we'll be able to get along. You, you don't... You know the reason that many Christians can't get along is they're concerned more about their own glory. They're building their church, not his church. It's the glory of God. We do what we do, not so they can say, "Woo, look at temple." Brother Craig told me something a long time ago I've never forgotten. He said, son, you know what? The community of Coleman, the community of Coleman doesn't need to see. Now listen to this. Stay with me because this is going to, don't let this, watch. The community of Coleman doesn't need to see what you, talking about temple, what you do for God. The community of temple needs to see what God does for you. Now, if they're watching what we're doing for God, guess who they're going to brag on? But if they see God doing something for us, who's going to get the glory? Do you see the difference? They glorified God. They glorified God. Now, now, all of that was necessary. All of that was necessary for what God was fixing to do. Chapter 10 the first half of chapter eleven that we just covered, there's a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of preparation. First, God had to prepare Peter before He showed him something great. Now Peter comes back; he has issues, he has problems with the church there in Jerusalem, and God has to prepare the church through the testimony of Peter. Now they're saying, "Hey, well, God's accepted them too," and all of that was necessary. For what we're fixing to read right here. This is what's important. This is what is significant. All that preparation was to get ready for what we're fixing to read. And all God's people see it. Now let's look in the next verse. Verse 19. After this took place, God has accepted the Jews, Samaritans, Gentiles. The church is complete now. It is whole. It's one body. It is the body of Christ. Not Jew, not Gentile, not Samaritan. We're all one in Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, after this, the church realizes that God has accepted the Gentiles. God, through the the ministry of Peter to Cornelius, that God is doing a different new thing. Now, verse 19. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and where? Antioch. Antioch preaching the word to none but the Jews only now what was going on with that they left Jerusalem they left Jerusalem before this happened with Peter so as far as they knew at that time God was only still reaching the the Jews okay so let's look at our let's look at our map you got your map up there you got your map Bo? all right now now look at this look at this okay here, here's, here's, uh, here's Caesarea, here's Joppa, here's Jerusalem. All right. Y'all see the little red thing? All right. Now, this is, where, this is where the epicenter, this is where the upper room, this is where the church was born. All right. It explodes. Acts 1.8. But ye shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Judea is this area right here. Southern Israel. Judea. And then Samaria, which is the middle part. Are y'all with me? Samaria, and then where? Uttermost parts of the earth. earth. Now, who lives in the uttermost parts of the earth? Gentiles. Gentiles. So he's saying right there, I want to save everybody. everybody. Now, so right, right here's Jerusalem. Right here is Joppa. This is where Peter was hanging out. This is where he got the vision. He was in a trance there and God showed him the food, the, uh, the, the unclean meal. And he showed him, listen, I'm accepting everybody. Caesarea is right here. All right. This is where Cornelius was. This is where the first Gentiles came into the church. Cornelius is saved. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. His, his children are saved. His family saved. The first Gentiles, people like you and me were saved right there. Right there in Caesarea. Now... This is what's happened. All right. Peter's there and he's coming back to Jerusalem. Well, about this time, about this time, how many of y'all remembered that in a few chapters before that when Stephen was stoned and he was martyred, that they started fleeing from Jerusalem. All these, all these Christians, these new Jewish believers were here and they start going. What direction is that? North. They're going north. Some of them end up in Damascus. If you'll remember that that's where P, uh, uh, Paul was going to go, remember? Paul was going to go there and bring him back to Jerusalem to be tried. Well, some are going to Damascus. Well, now we know they go as far as Antioch, which is right here, all right? Cyprus, this, this area right here. So way north, and, and, and Antioch is about, I think, about 200 miles north of Sidon, right here. Now, right here is where Paul is from, okay? You remember, Paul kind of went off the scene, Paul kind of went off the scene two chapters ago, remember? They sent him back to Tarsus. Y'all with me? And that's, that's right here. And I'm, I'm showing you this for a reason, because as we get through it, you'll see what I'm talking about. So Paul's right here. Peter has come back to Jerusalem. He's, he's, had to, he's had to explain what God is doing with the Gentiles. And so they get, oh, okay, so now everybody can be saved. Everybody They don't have to be Jew for God to accept them. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. And so, so what happens is what we're fixing to read is some of, those, some of those Jews that left and went north to escape the persecution and escape getting killed, they end up right here in Antioch. All right. Very, very significant city. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire next to Rome and Alexandria. Very, very important city. Trade routes reigned through there. So it was a very prosperous city, uh, a very wealthy city. And and when you have prosperity and wealth, unfortunately, it was a very wicked city. Are y'all with me? But the gospel got there. And when the gospel gets there... Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So, what happens when people start sharing the gospel? Let's see. Let's see. All right, verse number 19. They went there preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. That was the initial crowd. Now, after this took place with Peter and Cornelius, they, they began to preach to everybody. Verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. That's Gentiles. That is uh, Greek-speaking non-Jews, okay? Uh, uh, What verse am I at? 20. 20. All right. They began to speak unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number, what? Believed and... Turned unto the Lord. So what is happening? First, if you look here, right on the bottom of this, right on the bottom of this, right on the bottom of this, right like that. See how I got that right here. I'm going to give you four more points and I got 10 minutes to give them to you. So write fast. Four more points. What was the purpose? What was the purpose of God preparing Peter to meet Cornelius and God preparing through the ministry of Peter with the early church? Okay. It was for this purpose that we're fixing to talk about. All right, we have people, oh, where's my map? Where is my map? All right, we have people that have left Jerusalem and they've traveled north to escape the persecution and escape, obviously, certain death if they'd have stayed. And they got to Antioch and now they're starting to preach to everybody, all right? They're preaching the gospel to Gentiles also and God begins to save people. And and, and, and what was the, it says a great number. So there's a huge evangelistic movement taking place. Revival, if you will. Amen. People getting saved. The gospel's being preached. They're believing the gospel. All right. Now, secondly, secondly, look what it says. Then tidings of these things, kind of sounds like verse one, don't it? Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Now what's happening They're hearing back in Jerusalem that there's a bunch of Gentiles getting saved up in Antioch. Now imagine this. Imagine if they'd have heard that before Peter shared his testimony with them. Y'all catching that? Isn't the Lord good? God knows what he's doing. Before Peter got to Cornelius, God got him ready. Before the the Jerusalem church heard about all these Gentiles getting saved and coming into the kingdom, he brought Peter in to tell them and prepare them to hear this news. Say amen. But just like typical Baptists, we still need to check this out. Right? So that's point number two. Write this underneath evangelism. After evangelism, there was evaluation. We need to check this out. We need to check this out. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse number 22. When they heard these tidings, they sent Barnabas. And what a great guy to send. What a great guy to send. We find him first in chapter 4, verse 36. Write that down somewhere so you can go back and look. What was Barnabas? He was a generous man. He was a kind man. He was the son of consolation. Consolation means encouragement. What better person to send to a new believing group than a good old fashioned encourager? Amen. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and, what is that word? Exhorted. He encouraged them. Exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people, say it with me, and was, all right, now, watch this, watch this. We got a ton, a ton of Gentile believers, okay? Now, at least the Jews had some kind of religious background and knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the Gentiles, they didn't have any. All right, most of all, their religious background was pagan. So they're completely, you know, this is all fresh and all new. And according to the scriptures, how many of them was there? How about biblical? Great number. Bunch of rednecks. There's a ton of them, preacher. A whole pile of them. I mean, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm tired. All right, here we go. I mean a ton. And we got one leader, Barnabas. Now, how many of y'all know one man is not going to be able to disciple all these guys? So what does he do? What does he do? Put my mat back up there if you don't care. Let's read, let's read. Much people's added to the Lord. Much people... Many people that need teaching and learning and discipling. So what what does he do? Barnabas realized, I I can't do this by myself. Verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. I got to go find brother Saul. All right? Now, we know he's Paul. And when he found him, and by the way, by the way, if you study that, that phrase out, it meant that it was very difficult to find him. He had a hard time finding him, but he, he said, I got I to gotta get, get him. He's got to help me. And it came to pass, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year, they assembled themselves with the church, and what they do? Taught much people, and the disciples were called first in Antioch. Y'all get that? So first there was evangelism. Then there was evaluation. When he saw that this was the real deal, it was truly a move of God. And there was much people getting saved. He realized that there needed to be some, number three, edification. There needed to be some discipleship. There needed to be some teaching. So he went and got some help. He went to, and, and most likely, most likely because it was close. He wouldn't have to go all the way back to Jerusalem. Most likely... But God was using that, guys. And you're going to see what I mean in just a minute. All right. So there was evangelism, evaluation, edification. And put this right here. Evangelism verses 19 through 21. Evangelism verses 19 through 21. Evaluation verses 22 through 24. That way you'll know where you're getting this. Edification verses 25 through 26. And then write this down. Number four, we see evidence. Evidence, 27 through 30. What do you mean, evidence? Well, let me tell you what happens. It says In those days there came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth or famine, if you want to use the word famine to make more sense, a famine. Throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Preacher, what do you see? I see evidence of God. How do you know when a man's really got God on him? Because he's usually generous. Right? Where a, man, where a man's treasure is, there were his. And if God's got your heart, he's got your treasure. If you got to beg and plead and bribe and, and, and convince somebody to give and be a giver, they, they, they probably ain't got something right. But when you have God in you, first thing you want to do is be a blessing to someone. Are y'all with me? Say amen. They hear about what's happening, and listen, we want to be a blessing to those. We want to help. We want to be an encouragement. So they begin to give. They begin to show evidence that what they had was genuine and what they had was real. All right. Now, now I got two minutes. So write this down real quick. Write this down real quick because this is a major, major, this is a major, major transition we're fixing to make. All right. Now, in the beginning, in the beginning, the headquarters, and I, I, didn't, I didn't put the word headquarters. I just put, put the place here and then and so... Put this, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That was the headquarters. Okay? That was the epicenter. That is where everything came out from. They came out of Jerusalem. All right? Put beside that, put beside that this person. Put Peter. He's the main character. First half of the book of Acts, the primary center is Jerusalem, and the main character is... All right, the main target, if we want to use that word, if we want to use that word, the main target was Jews. Okay, so the first part of Acts, we see the center, the epicenter, the headquarters is Jerusalem. The main character is Peter, and and the, the main target is the Jewish people. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. They went everywhere preaching to the Jews only, right? So it was to the Jews. Things are fixing to change. There's fixing to be a major change. The epicenter is going to move from Jerusalem to Antioch. Okay, now we're going to see in the second half, the second half of the book of Acts that the main center is Antioch. And by the way, by the way, when you read that and it says they were first called Christians in Antioch, that wasn't a good thing, because that wasn't a that wasn't a. Now we call when when I call you a Christian, you think that's a badge of honor. But it wasn't then. It was slain then. They were using it as a derogatory term then. But isn't it amazing how God can change things? Okay? So Antioch is where it began. Now, okay, second epicenter, second headquarters, Antioch. Main character, Paul. Okay? Paul is fixing to step up on the scene. And by the way, at the end of that chapter it said Barnabas and Saul. That's fixing to change. All right, the teacher will soon become the student. The discipler will soon become the disciple. All right, now, now, we said Jerusalem, early part, Peter, primary, primary speaker, primary character, Jews, primary target. Now, Antioch, the epicenter, Antioch, the center of of activity. Paul is the main character. Then the Gentiles are the main target. And by the way, Paul's the first pastor of the church of Antioch. And the first missionaries really are sent out of Antioch. Now, now we know that when, when the disciples were fleeing and they took Jesus and and preached Jesus, they were, they, were, they were missionaries and they did mission work. They were preaching the gospel wherever they went. But these were the first commissioned missionaries where they laid hands on them and sent them forth. All right? So we see there's a major change fixing to take place, all right? So this is really important. This is really important. Say, why is this important? You're going to heaven because you're a Gentile and that happened. If chapters 10 and 11 didn't happen, we'd be in a mess. But we have the privilege of having the gospel because of what took place in chapters 10 and chapters 11. Now, everybody good? All right, boys. Fixing to be a great journey. We're fixing to see some some really cool things take place. So so do this. Read chapter twelve next week, leading up to uh, uh, next Wednesday. Read chapter twelve, and we'll we'll jump on right there. And all God's people see it. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to study your word tonight.